Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director of Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? It's going great. How about yourself? Oh, I had a whirlwind weekend. Whirlwind weekend. Whirlwind weekend. And it was music-related, so well, yeah, that's talk the, to me. That was the point. I'm I'm so discombobulated, I'm having a hard time like forming a sentence. <laughs> um, went to the Sound of Music sing-along at the Hollywood Bowl. Fun. A long-standing tradition. Uh, we take a group of friends to the bowl every year for this. Um, Do you know what year this is? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, like, the group of friends that go, they started doing it before I knew them. Oh, wow. So I think they've been doing it for more than like 20 years. Wow. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, but it's it's always fun. Um, and, you know, it is music related. And The Sound of Music is one of the most successful musicals of all time. And, and it's, it, it it's had, on the Billboard charts. It had two different number one albums, <laughs> one from the original cast recording and one from the film. So, you know, completely within my wheelhouse 100%. to talk about this on the Pop Shop. Related. Oh, my God. Julie Andrews, would you like to be a guest on oh, the Billboard please. Pop Shop podcast? I would love to speak I mean, with Julie Andrews. Oh, to, my God. To be perfectly frank, like we have asked for her in the past. I, I literally would die just to talk to her. Oh, she's she's everybody's. Nanny and governess. And she's, she's raindrops on roses. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And whiskers on kittens. All right. Well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show... We've got chart news on how Olivia Rodrigo doubles up at number one on both the Billboard 200 Albums Chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs Chart with her new Guts album and its single Vampire. How Fleetwood Mac is back on the Billboard 200 with a new archival live album. How friend of the podcast Josh Groban can be heard on a new number one album on our cast albums chart. And how rising jazz star Leve makes a splash on the Billboard 200 and atop our jazz charts with the largest debut for a jazz album in nearly two years. Also on the show, Maren Morris released two new songs last week and announced along with the release that she intends to leave country music following a contentious few years with the genre. Plus... Chris Stapleton, Snoop Dogg, and Cindy Blackman-Santana teamed up to reimagine Phil Collins' 1981 hit In the Air Tonight for the new Monday Night Football theme song, and we're talking all about it, so stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. 
And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. All right, let's do the chart chat. First up, Olivia Rodrigo, sophomore album Guts debuts atop the Billboard 200 chart, scoring the singer-songwriter her second number one set following her 2021 debut, Sour. The new album starts with 302,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending September 14th, according to Luminate. That marks the fourth largest uh, debut week, or sorry, fourth largest week for any album in 2023 and Rodrigo's best week yet. With both Sour and Guts having debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, Rodrigo is the first female artist to start atop the chart with their first two chart entries in nine years. Ariana Grande was the last woman to debut at number one with their initial two chart entries with Yours Truly in 2013 and My Everything in 2014. I didn't, I, I specifically was looking at women because I immediately knew, I'm like, oh, wait, Harry Styles has done this. Right. So let me find, like, you know. The last woman The last woman this. because, yes. you know, it's. It was a longer time. Uh, there we go. I didn't explain that in the print story. But <laughs> I, th- I, thought I, would, I thought I would give listeners extra context. <laughs> uh, so of Guts's 302,000 first week units, streaming activity accounted for about half of that, equaling nearly 200 million on-demand official streams of the set's 12 songs in its first week, while album sales comprised 150,000. And of that sales number, vinyl LP sales accounted for 94,000, and that is the seventh largest sales week for a vinyl album since Luminate began tracking data in 1991. Uh, That vinyl number was enhanced by Guts' availability across 13 different vinyl variants, including a signed edition. How many copies did you buy, Katie? I streamed it. <laughs> so I got zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, you helped contribute to those 200 million on-demand official streams. I sure did. A few of them, at least. Rodrigo ushered in the album with major promotional appearances, including performances on NBC's Today uh, the day of the album's release on September 8th, the MTV Video Music Awards on September 12th. Uh, she also did interviews with uh, the Today Show again on September 10th with Zane Lowe on Apple Music One's New Music Daily on September 8th and made an appearance at the American Express and Spotify Guts Gallery pop-up activation in New York on September 7th. Uh, further, her upcoming Guts World Tour was announced on September 13th with the track starting on February 23rd in Palm Springs, California. And did you see some of the opening acts for that tour, Keith? I did not. Well, one of them is The Breeders, which we specifically had mentioned as wow. her new music sort of, you know, recalling The Breeders. Dun, 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 yep, and now dun, dun. fans will get to hear that song before the show. That's pretty crazy. I know, I like it. Um, uh, One last thing about Olivia. Uh, I mentioned how Vampire is number one on the Hot 100. So Vampire was previously number one on the Hot 100 back in July when it debuted at number one. It jumps back to number one this week. And all 12 songs from Guts are in the top 40 of the Hot 100. Bad Idea Right is at number six? It's at number seven. Seven. So Vampire jumps nine to one. Bad Idea, right? Goes 26 to seven. And then uh, all the other 10 songs from the album are debuts. Get Him Back is number 11, which I feel like is going to be the next single. They released a music video for that. Um, 
midweek. Hence why probably it's number 11. Correct. And it was also one of the songs she performed at the VMAs. Ah. Oh, it was the second one. The last one. Oh, wait, there were three songs? Mm-hmm. Oh, gee, I'm an idiot. Because I'm like, Vampire was the first song, so the last song. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and it's a really fun, like, it to me feels like the one that will be like the good for you of Guts. The big catchy pop. The one that has like legs at radio, uh-huh. the one that, yeah, it's really catchy, really fun. And also, like, it's such a, it's such great wordplay, by the way. Uh, I talk about this in Five Burning Questions, too, but I'll say it here anyway. Uh, the title is Get Him Back, and it's she's singing alternately about, like, wanting to exact revenge on him and also to get, get him, him back. back. Like, I'm like, why has no one done that before? That's such a good turn of phrase. So I love that song. <laughs> All right, next, staying with the Billboard 200, or maybe reverting back to the Billboard 200 since I just talked about the Hot 100 for a second. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac notches its 30th charting effort as Rumors Live debuts at number 81. The live set was recorded on August 29th, 1977 at the Forum in Inglewood, California during the band's Rumors tour. And of course, that was in support of its then new studio album, titled Rumors, and the new live album largely consists of previously unreleased material. I think all but like maybe one or two songs are previously unreleased. Mm. At least those recordings have never been released. Um, Why this album exists, I do not know. Nothing in the press releases said like, why we've dug up this album out of nowhere. no sort of anniversary or anything like that. I'm sure if you tried hard enough, you could find an anniversary of some nature. I'm sure. But like in like- (laughs) And you're a Fleetwood Mac fan, so you would know if there was something notable. When I I mentioned this to Gary the other day, he's just like, why why is this out? And I'm like, I don't know. The press releases don't say anything about why. I'm learning about it right now. But obviously enough people knew about it to, uh, you know, have it debut in the, you know, top half of the Billboard 200. So, Um, so, yeah, as I said, it's largely consists of unreleased material. Um, Also, when the band played this show, the Rumors album was in the middle of its 31 week run at number one on the Billboard 200. So can you imagine at the time, uh, you know, I, I just wonder, like at the time, what it must have been like to have an album that was so dominating music mm-hmm. for nearly a year at number one and to be in the middle of this tour with hit single after hit single. It's just like, how do you equate that to something today? It's like, I don't know, Taylor Swift and the Eras tour or like Drake at the top of the world where everyone yeah. knows every single It's like, try to imagine what it was like back then. I don't know that. that we can it's, because pop culture is too splintered now to ever have a feeling like where I, I mean, and I'm sure that there were maybe very young and very old people who were not in rumors mania. And like, I'm only listening to country music. But like, I, I imagine that a large percentage of the population at that time was like very much aware of owned uh had could you know name at least one song off of this album which is a big you know cultural moment yeah yeah well uh on the album which uh, consists of 19 tracks uh there are such classic tunes as say you love me rhiannon landslide gold dust woman you make loving fun go your own way and the chain the chain is so good Every time it comes on, just the the driving intro. Oh my god, it's just so good. I believe, this is me banging on the desk, by the way. I believe it's the <laughs> I believe it's the only Fleetwood Mac song actually written uh, at the time. So the classic lineup of Fleetwood Mac uh, 
which was on board for this tour. Uh, that was Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Christine McVie, John McVie, and Mick Fleetwood, those five. They all share songwriting credit on the chain, and I believe it is the only song that all five of them co-wrote. Uh, so I've never seen a proper Fleetwood Mac tour, which may surprise people because I like them. I don't know why this has happened. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I did see them perform at the iHeartRadio Music Festival when uh, this was years ago, and it was before Christine passed. So I'm just like so thrilled that I was able to see the chain live with that lineup was that at the, some point. That was with Christine McKee? Yes. Oh, okay. I looked it up to make sure I wasn't making that up, but she was there. So, wow. yep. Wow. Uh, well, moving on. Friend of the podcast, Josh Groban, can be found on a new number one album this week amongst Billboard's charts as the 2023 Broadway cast recording of Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street debuts at number one on our cast album's tally. Groban plays Sweeney Todd in the revival of the classic musical, and he earned a Tony Award nomination for Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role in a Musical for Sweeney Todd. Groban has previously been a part of a number one on the cast album's chart before, when Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 topped the list in 2017, and Groban also scored a Tony nom for Best Actor in a Musical for that role. There's your little cast albums news this week. I love week. that. I want to go listen to it. His voice is just so magical, and I have not heard him perform the Sweeney Todd music yet, so now I will. He's still he's I, he's still on Broadway. Well, then maybe I should go see it in person. Yeah, like I, it feels like he's actually in the show longer than most people are. Mm-hmm. Usually, like you know, sort of the big marquee, like huge stars stick around for a year. I'd say he would like to be there. Then he's yeah. choosing to to continue. It's got to be a demanding role. Uh huh. Um. Anyway, lastly. Leve scores her first entry on the Billboard 200 with her sophomore album, Bewitched, debuting at number 23. Further, the set launches atop both the traditional jazz albums and overall jazz albums charts, marking the first number one on both lists for the 24-year-old Icelandic singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist. And with 23,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S., in its first week, Bewitched also snares the largest debut week for a jazz album in nearly two years, since Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga's Love for Sale started with 41,000 units on the October 16th, 2021 dated charts. Uh, notably, 68% of Bewitched first week activity was driven by streaming activity, with the set's 14 songs collecting 22.36 million on-demand official streams. I point that out because jazz typically isn't a genre that generates a lot of streaming activity. Can I ask you, Keith, was this within the Grammy eligibility period? Sure was. Okay. Because the Grammy eligibility period ended on September 15th, and this album came out on the 8th, I believe. The Grammys love a breakout jazz star. Yeah. Just everyone remember the name. Leve. So previous to the release of Bewitched, Leve amassed a sizable following on TikTok with nearly 3 million followers, so you see where I'm going with this, <laughs> and collected 339 million on-demand official song streams in the U.S. And this is, again, only her second album. Jazz is back, guys. So um, she, I, I 
I was not familiar with this artist until basically like last week. And I think it's just because the algorithms have not shared her with me. Right. And I've just sort of... And your eyebrow was very raised by the top 25 debut of the album on Billboard 200, I'm sure. I mean, the first question I had, because I'm just sort of, you know, I... When someone said, oh, this is like really big for jazz, like when we were looking through all the numbers and someone said, oh, is this kind of big for jazz? Someone, meaning someone from our department. I said, well, is this really a jazz album? Because mm. I just thought, I'm like, is this really jazz or is it like jazz in name only? Mm. And uh, our jazz chart manager was like, oh, no, it it, legitimate, it legitimately is. And I'm like, well, why is it doing so? Like, it's it's a young person doing jazz music. genres with, to nail down than jazz, though? And then I realized, I was like, oh, like the reason she's blossomed so much is because she's she's basically introduced an audience that maybe isn't very familiar mm-hmm. with jazz music thanks to TikTok. And they've all gone to Spotify and Apple to mm-hmm. listen to her music and discover her. So, you know, it's great. Keith, that was an enlightening chart segment. Like, I literally did not know about the Fleetwood Mac I did, rumors I, release. Kate, I did not know about Josh Groban Katie, and the Sweetie Todd release. Katie I did is not know doing about the, Katie is doing this thing. She's like, that was enlightening, but we really need to move on. No, I'm being dead serious right now. All I'm right. being sincere. I'm happy. But let's I'm move happy, on. I'm happy. <laughs> Well, tell me something I don't know, Well, let's Katie. talk about it. Um, so our, our first news item today, uh, last week, Maren Morris released two new songs. They're called The Tree and Get the Hell Out of Here. She also announced her intention to leave country music, which, of course, is the genre where she's made a career for herself since her 2016 breakthrough. So in a statement sent along with the songs, Maren said, quote, These two songs are incredibly key to my next step because they express a very righteously angry and liberating phase of my life these last couple of years, but also how my navigation is finally pointing toward the future, whatever that may be or sound like. Honoring where I've been and what I've achieved in country music, but also freely moving forward. So... Our uh, country writer, Jessica Nicholson, uh, wrote up these two songs, and she said on the tree, uh, she quoted a few key lyrics from Marin. Uh, Marin sings, the rot at the roots is the root of the problem, but you want to blame it on me. She's clearly, you know, talking to Nashville in these little couplets here. Uh, On the song Get the Hell Out of Here, she sings, I hung around longer than anyone should. You've broken my heart more than anyone could. Um, Marin also went into more detail about her decision uh, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times last week, and she shared that the growing divide in country music and the right-leaning views of uh, both many of the genre's leading artists and the genre's fans uh, have been an ongoing challenge and barrier for her. So she told the LA Times, After the Trump years, people's biases were on full display. It just revealed who people really were and that they were proud to be misogynistic and racist and homophobic and transphobic. All these things were being celebrated, and it was weirdly dovetailing with this hyper-masculine branch of country music. She added, I thought I'd like to burn it to the ground and start over, but it's burning itself down without my help. Hmm. So there is Marin's full incendiary interview slash new song slash mission statement. Uh, So having given you all this information. uh, Like the vast majority of which is completely new to me. Okay, well, there you go. Hey, look at us learning things today. I was busy this weekend. (laughs) Exactly, we both were. Okay, so this is, okay, 
I'm just going to start with the fact that we always knew that Marin Morris was operating outside of the rules of country music when it comes to speaking her mind, talking about politics. She was just on Billboard's Pride issue cover over the summer, posing with drag queens as Tennessee had bills going through their legislature trying to ban drag in the state of Tennessee, where she makes her music and her money. Mm -hmm. So this is not shocking coming from Marin necessarily, but the fact that she's like announcing it like this is, is the interesting part. Like she is not just trying to, you know, break the rules from within country. She's like, forget country. I'm just an artist now that is not beholden to country music in any way. So it's an interesting statement, you know? Um, Marin, of course, has had a lot of success on our charts, uh, but she hasn't had just country success either. I mean, she was the voice on Zed's hit, The Middle, a number one hit on that 100? One moment? No. Not number one. No. It was a, it was a huge airplay hit. It's probably number one on our pop airplay chart. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, had her own uh, crossover hit with uh, The Bones, which... Uh, she had her own version and then a version featuring Hosier, which got a ton of AC airplay. Um, it was not just a country moment, you know? Yeah. So she has already also been working outside of the country genre within these last, you know, seven years. Yeah. Um, for the for the record, Hot 100, number five, mm. the middle. Um, so what do you what do you make of all this, Keith? <laughs> what? Um uh, you know. Part of me kind of feels like, you know, um, she's always been challenged and challenging Mm -hmm. for Nashville because she's always been kind of a rebel, you know, within the Nashville kind of, you know, environment, which is, you know, a very, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, conservative, um, um, conservative. very sort of specifically organized. We do things by the rules, you know, in a way, kind of like the good old boy network, you know, um, everything is dominated by country radio, which is largely run by a lot of men. You know, women in general have not um, had an incredible amount of success in the last decade or so. And, you know, she's She's one of the few. She's one of the few. And so who's been, who's been getting country airplay. Number one. So her most recent, I'll I'll say one thing, her most recent top 10 on country airplay was just last year. mm -hmm. So again, she's been speaking her mind and continues to be able to work in within the system. Within reason. Yeah. I mean, she's, She's not Carrie Underwood. She's not Carrie Underwood. She's not. She's she's not like sort of a a star in the world of country music in the way that you know, say, I don't know, Miranda Lambert might be. Right. Um, but I think that's also possibly partially owed to how she, from the jump she's always been outspoken. Yeah. And maybe made music that was always kind of you know teetering on the edge of like you know pop and country where she always wanted to kind of you know kind of dabble in different areas of mm-hmm. music. And, you know, so I think there was probably a lot of things always kind of aligned uh, against her having incredible success if you didn't, if you weren't keen on playing the game. It's and, interesting, you know. though, too, to think about some of the genre's biggest stars. And I'm thinking specifically of Garth Brooks and Tim McGraw, who both have 
signaled that they are maybe progressive leading uh, in their personal lives, but if not, they're not like crazy outspoken about it, but like Garth uh, has been uh, welcoming and, and accepting of the LGBT community since the beginning talked about the, uh, you know, race issues from like the Rodney King incident in like 92, you know, like he's always like said, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just going to like subscribe to all country stars are Republicans and just, and have everything agree with that. And obviously has had beyond like, you know, insane success within the genre. So it's like, like, is there a world where Marin could have continued to speak out and challenge things, but also keep, you know, going to all the country awards shows? I mean, look, if if one half of Brothers Osborne can be, you know, an out gay man uh, who is on red carpets. With his boyfriend. With his boyfriend. Still winning awards. You know, uh, uh, you know. We'll we'll see where the brothers Osborne go in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the fortunes will change. We don't know, but you know, I think there, in theory, there is a world where there could be space for that. But I think you really have to want to stay in country, right? You know, you and and that doesn't seem to be in the cards. Where she, it it feels like she's very. I didn't read the L.A. Times interview, but it just feels like she's probably just exasperated. And it feels like, look, there's no space for me here. Right. I feel constrained. I need to move on to greener pastures. Now she could have just said, "Hey, my next project's going to be a pop album. I'm right. really excited L- about it." The As Taylor Swift, the route. Taylor Swift route. Mm-hmm. When she introduced 1989, she said, "This is my first pop album." Yeah. So, you know, because people – there was – you know, Taylor had been flirting with pop music for the for the previous two albums. And then she was like, look, I'm just telling you, this is a pop album. Right. It's not going to be on the country charts. But, you know – and she still has – since then, Taylor has dabbled in country music. And, in fact, all of her re-records so far have been country – technically country albums. Yeah. And she's had some country hits. And she's written songs for other country artists that they've recorded. Yep. So she hasn't – you know, but she, she – she, so Marion could have done that. But she didn't, and it, and it kind of just she just it clearly feels like look, it's too toxic. I can't. I personally can't do this anymore. That's and the other person that I thought of was Casey Musgraves, who mm. basically early days, you know, made it. It was made clear to her that uh, you know the system was not interested in working with her, right. and so she kind of abandoned ship early, and has had found success in other ways. Obviously, winning album of the year. She's featured on this new Zach Bryan song, which is a number one on the Hot One Hundred. Who kind of operates outside uh, of the country yeah, world to also, a degree. Um, so with Casey, uh, she's been really open about um, speaking about how rigorous the you know um, country radio kind of tours the, are. The road show. Yes, the roadshow of like, you got a new song, you go, you pimp it out at like every single major market across America. And if you don't show up at a station, they're not going to play you or they're not interested if you're not kissing the ring or whatever. And so she left that behind early on. And maybe Marin's ready to just like abandon that as well. Yeah. You know, Um, because it's quite the rigmarole. But we'll see. I mean, like she also can you know, be a sort of Brandy Carlisle working, you know, making country Americana, that style music, but Could. just not doing the whole country radio scene. You yeah, know? I mean, it kind of makes you wonder like, okay, so what happens to your existing record deal that you have, yes. you know, where you're signed? Columbia? Is she Columbia? I believe she's Columbia Nashville. Yeah. So like if you're on a, you know, 
Nashville-based major label. So what does that mean? Are you just shifting to Columbia Records mm. based in New York? Are you leaving Sony? Or what are you doing? Yeah. Like, was that addressed in any of her? Uh, not that I saw. But, I mean, obviously this release was in conjunction with her label. So mm. any press release, like the, the statement I read to you was – Sent well, out to journalists. For what it's worth, Casey's last album, Casey Musgrave's last album, the name of which has now escaped me, um, was her first uh, joint project where it was promoted by uh, and released by both her country label, which I believe was MCA Nashville. The album was Starcrossed. Starcrossed. Yeah. And also Interscope Records. Mm-hmm. So um, that could be Marin's future. So, you know, maybe it's like uh, we do something in tandem. Um, but you know, we'll see. I think it'll be most fascinating to like see how things transpire from here on out, like where Marin sort of lands, um, where we see her, like what awards shows we see her on, where she's, you know, what, what kind of venue she's performing in, where she gets airplay, et cetera. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll report back on that. (laughs) <laughs> to be determined. To be determined. In another country story, though, this week, uh, there is a very uh, interesting trio who put together <laughs> the new Monday Night Football theme song. Speaking of country music. Uh, we have Chris Stapleton along with Snoop Dogg and drummer Cindy Blackman Santana, who have all reimagined Phil Collins' 1981 hit In the Air Tonight for the brand new Monday Night Football intro. Um Keith, did you watch Monday Night Football last night? No. Um, but <laughs> I, I did, but just I, to see this, honestly. But I saw, like, the 30-second teaser. Oh, yeah. So now if you uh, – on ESPN socials, you can go see the full thing. Um, and just kind of, like, similar uh, Monday Night Football theme songs in the past. The intro, it has, like, Chris Stapleton, like, watching a TV, and the TV has, like, highlights of whatever team is playing that week. Um, but mostly it'll just stay as the same uh, video throughout, which is Chris – uh, singing the the verses, Snoop contributing a new rap verse. So that's what you did not see. No, Keith. I didn't see that. And then Cindy uh, Blackman Santana on the drums, which in the air tonight, some of the most famous drums in pop music, right there. So let's take a quick listen first. Well, first of all, this song is just like it, it's a cross-generational banger. So like I I the feedback I pretty much saw on socials, like there was a lot of people who were very much like Chris Snoop and who's this drummer lady, etc. But there was also a lot of people that are just like the song is bomb. Chris Stapleton's voice sounds amazing on it. Uh he's always had, you know, a great, like, you know, adaptable voice for like classic rock pop, blues, whatever. Like, he brings his Chris Stapleton thing to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like, they should release the Chris Stapleton version of yep, this song. I, I don't see it out yet. They uh, should. Uh, maybe they'll do that this Friday because they just announced this, even though um, Monday Night Football actually started last week. They just announced this new song this week. Um, so hmm. maybe it'll come out on Friday. Uh, but I think this is a perfect sort of, like, Jock Jam sports song also to add. Jock Jam. <laughs> you know, I just, I love, I love a, like a driving intense song for any sporting event. And that's exactly what this is. So it just really fits, it's, you know? It's funny how this song has been so, uh, like when, when I saw this on 
Twitter mm-hmm. or whatever we're calling it, X, <laughs> on Twexter. I just say socials these on days. socials. <laughs> someone posted like, oh, you know, th- this is this is coming tonight. And the the tweet was something about like, you know, it, it tagged Phil Collins. Mm. But it didn't say what the song was. And then before I clicked on it, I'm like, oh, it has to be in the air tonight. It has to be. It has to be in the air tonight. <laughs> and then it starts to play. I'm like, of course it the is. The new Monday Night Football theme, Sue Studio. <laughs> Groovy kind of love. Right. <laughs> Too hot. I mean, there are other options, I suppose. <laughs> but it, it makes sense because it's such a um, generally atmospheric mm. kind of vibe song. And yes. it's about tonight. There's oh, something in the yeah, air tonight. tonight. On Monday night specifically. Tonight. Specifically tonight. Yes. And it has like the big drum thing. Which, you know. The drums. And also, everyone, you know, remember this song was also famously used in, I believe, I want to say it was like the first episode of Miami Miami Vice. Vice. Yeah, Paul actually noted that for our story on .com, Paul Grine, our awards editor, uh, because it it originally came out in 1981 on Phil's album, uh, and he was saying that the, the... Song bubbled under the Hot 100 for six weeks in the fall of 1984 after being on Miami Vice, and then the Miami Vice soundtrack featured the song, which ended up on your beloved Billboard 200, number one, and topped it for 11 weeks in what? 1985 to 1986. Uh, I don't remember watching uh, this episode of Miami Vice at the time because I was young. I was alive, but young. Um, I do remember Miami Vice existing and watching other episodes. I've since gone back and watched the scene that In the Air Tonight mm. is in. They use like a full, I don't know, like it feels like two minutes of the song. Oh, wow. And it's, and no one, like, I don't think there's very much talking over it. It's like, like the, the cops get into a car and they're driving at night and you just hear In the Air Tonight playing over it. And it's it looks like it's a music video because everything in Miami Vice was like shot as if it was like this sort of sleek, yes. like music video action movie. And it effectively acted as a music video. And when you've got millions of people back then, we only had three TV channels, basically people. When you got like a third of America watching a music video, mm. they're all going to run out and be like, where do I find this yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. And they all started buying Phil Collins' album from a few years ago, and then they all went and bought the Miami Vice Oh, soundtrack. my God. That's amazing. I, and you know what? I, did you ever watch The Americans, The mm. which was set in the 80s? Mm-mm. So The Americans— uh, Carrie Russell? Yeah, it was Carrie Russell and uh, Matthew Reese, and they, they're like uh, Russian spies, spies who are just living as normal American people in the uh, 80s. And they listen to Phil Collins? 80s. Well, their pilot episode <laughs> includes almost the entirety of In the Air Tonight. Wow. And I never thought of it as being like a Miami Vice reference. I thought of it as being a reference of the time period that the— you know, the Americans was set in. But the fact that it was the first episode that it was like almost the entire song, it's like, it's that too. It's also referencing like the most popular show of that time. You know, that's interesting. Anyway, my, my one last moment on this, on this new Monday Night Football song Maren, there's going to be a remix and Maren Morris is going to be <laughs> right. on the new Monday Night Football Well, thing. it kind of reminded me of a conversation we had in an earlier podcast about the Super Bowl halftime. And I'm like, oh, we've got Chris Stapleton, you know, who also previously has uh, sung uh, the Star Spangled Banner before the Super Bowl. I think it was actually just this past year that he did that. And 
it's like, okay, we've talked about a country Super Bowl halftime show. Chris Stapleton. Like, get Chris and Chris and friends. <laughs> or, like, Chris can be one of the friends that is part of the country. Chris and Snoop Dogg comes back. Yeah, exactly. But I just, I feel like the fact that he's kind of circling football more, you know? And it's obviously an audience. It makes sense. Like, it makes sense not just for the country audience, but, like, my dad doesn't listen to country music, but thinks Chris Stapleton is the best thing of every award right. show. Your dad he's, may also my mom like forces Zach him Bryan to watch. as well. I, you know, I don't know if my dad's heard Zach Bryan yet. Mm. Introduce I'll introduce him. him. Maybe, okay. he may, maybe he'll enjoy Marin Morris's next maybe, project. Maybe Zach Bryan can be one of the friends in the country halftime show. <laughs> Zach Bryan, Chris Stapleton, Brandy Carlisle. Casey Musgraves, it's an all, Marin Morris, and all the outcasts of country. <laughs> it's, it's the All-Americana uh, halftime Instead special. Instead of outlaw country, it's outcast country. <laughs> oh, uh, we're trying to be inclusive. Okay, I'm sorry. We're not, trying I think to wrap, <laughs> grab our hands around everybody, not push them away. Uh, also, shouldn't we? when do we typically know the halftime performer? Is it around now? Um, sometimes it's this early, but sometimes I remember hearing about, I think it was like... Bruno Mars or whatever. I don't know. Something I heard. I remember hearing about late, like November. Kind of makes you feel like they don't have someone locked in yet. I think that's true. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, dear. Oh, <laughs> by the way, completely aside, mm-hmm. um, but halftime is making me think of NSYNC. We have to talk about NSYNC again. We didn't get a new single from NSYNC last Friday like we thought we were going to. Mm-hmm. That's not coming until the 29th. Correct. Uh, but we know what it's called. It's called Better Together. Better Place. Better Place. Thank you. Better Together. I don't know why I'm thinking that. <laughs> um, however, I did see on socials this morning, and maybe you saw it too, how in sync all five of them will be appearing on Hot Ones. Oh, I love Hot Ones. Or whatever it's called, you know. like That's it. The, That's that, the one where they eat the hot peppers and answer questions. Yeah, well, the, the chicken wings with the peppers. Just the don't ask any questions about trolls because they can't talk about it. Nope. They've got a new single, and they're doing it for the fans, apparently. I do. No one is waiting for my opinion on this, but I was a little bummed. I'm I'm waiting desperately. I was a little bummed that it's not until the 29th because I thought that that VMA momentum was hot. I mean, like, you guys, people were were reading every little crumb of everything we put on our website about NSYNC last week. And they had this momentum, and it was a Tuesday perfect, like, momentum to lead into that Friday— and, you know, some things came out last Friday, but nothing of like, like uh, Drake and SZA came out last Friday. So that's a pretty, that's a, a, a you know, a, a rival yeah. for the Hot 100. But I think they could have really done big things with that momentum. So maybe three weeks later, momentum will also be good and maybe more powerful. I don't know. Maybe NSYNC has other things up their uh, sleeves. Maybe. Like yeah. a tour announcement. I would die. I mean, uh, after, I've seen a number of things pop up on my socials in the past, like, couple days where it's it's clips of them performing back on, like, the Pop Odyssey tour yes. and the other tours. And I'm like, there was one where Lance, uh, Lance and Chris, Chris did this, like, a backflip and Lance threw him in the air, like, put his hands, like, through his legs. And then Chris, like, <laughs> jumped, like, flipped over Meaning him. they're doing that every night. And I'm like... <laughs> There's literally no way any of these gentlemen are going to be able to do any of that They're dancing. not doing anything to that level. And I mean, to be fair, like, they were— No one should expect any of that. Like, I'm not like— If they were to do this. They they sang everything live, too, while they were doing this really intense choreography. They're going to hire a bunch of, like, intense dancers to dance around them. I mean, if, I, if, I need a happens. little dance from them. I'm sure we can, like, you know, I can take my hand and do the bye, 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 like, Ah, Pac-Man thing. I hope they have a music video for this song with them in it, 
not a trolls music video. Oh, it's kind of that's what I want. A bunch of animated, but they can't be in it if there's trolls in it too, because then it would be it would be them promoting the movie. Maybe there will be two different videos: one that's just animated trolls, and then one that's just them. Please, I would like that. And that'd be great for your Hot 100 chances, too. <laughs> I feel like you're working marketing. <laughs> Maybe I am. Because I feel like the only way Justin is going to commit to doing anything further is if this song is a massive hit, an undeniable hit. Just like Can't Stop the Feeling, you know, rocketed to number one on the Hot 100. I think that if NSYNC rocketed to number one on the Hot 100, he would have to be like, all right, fine. I'll do more. Uh, I, I doubt even he would have to feel compelled to do that. Uh, but I, I can see how this could easily, you know, what, what, I mean, what if this is nominated for an Oscar? I mean, now you're just getting crazy. What if they perform on the Oscars? It's a crowded Oscar field, though, with the Barbie soundtrack alone. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, with, the, with the Barbie soundtrack alone, we could have like sort of a weird like Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish, NSYNC. NSYNC, Jack Black with peaches. You know, that's right. Oh, my God. You know, right now the Oscars are like salivating and also hoping, oh, my God, will he strikes be over with? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, we should move on. Okay. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. We talked about Fleetwood Mac's Rumors live album debuting on the Billboard 200 this week. Katie, of these Rumors singles, which of them hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Hmm. and is the only number one hit on the chart for the band? Your choices are, and these again are the four singles that were released from Rumors, at least in America. Go Your Own Way, Dreams, Don't Stop, or You Make Loving Fun. I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to guess Dreams. You are correct. Oh, my gosh. Dreams is the one and only number one. I had it in my mind that during that whole TikTok uh, skateboard guy uh, meme that that it was like, oh, it can't get higher than it already did because it was already number one. That's true. There you go. Uh, go Your Own Way hit number 10. Don't Stop hit number three. And You Make Loving Fun reached number nine. Uh, bonus question, Katie. Silver Springs was famously recorded for, but not included on the Rumors album, but it was available as the B-side mm. to one of the Rumors singles. Do you know which one? Now, B-side or one, that means back in the day, <laughs> the only way that you could listen to music was if you bought a physical object, like a single inside a record store. And on the back side, the B-side, not the A-side, not the front side, but the B-side of the 7-inch final single, Silver Springs was the B-side to which of those four singles? You make love fun. Actually, go your own way. Okay. <laughs> I just went on for a random stab. Uh, bonus uh, stat. In 1997, a new live version of Silver Springs was recorded for the Fleetwood Mac live album, The Dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that new live version of Silver Springs became a big airplay hit on our charts. The music video was in heavy rotation on all the video channels. And it even garnered a Grammy Award nomination for best pop performance by a duo mm. or group with vocal. All right. Well, there you have it. There's a little chart stat of the week about Fleetwood Mac's rumors and stuff around it. <laughs> we reached the end of our big show. Katie, any parting words? I'm seeing one of my faves tonight, Keith. Oh. <laughs> do you want to share with the crowd who you're seeing? Hopefully that it does happen. Uh, oh, I'm 100% seeing John Mayer tonight. John Mayer for the 18th time. For the, yeah. Yeah. My husband was like, again? How many times? <laughs> I actually don't know. I, I should go back I've and figure it count. out. I've lost count. I mean, it is a little are bit you, are, of an you, I lost you, count do moment. Do you have like a meet and greet with John? Uh, no, no, no. It's a it's a um, 
concert that's benefiting his own charity but for it's vets. The, it's at the Wiltern Theater. Yeah, so, so it's like a 2,000, yes, 2, a 2,000 capacity uh, versus, you know, the 17K of the forum that he played in the spring that I went and saw and will be playing in November, which I will go see again. His uh, his foundation is called the Heart and Armor Foundation, and 100% of the proceeds from tonight are going to the Heart and Armor for- Foundation. Wow. Well, I look forward to the full report next week. You'll get it. <laughs> or, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> All right. What song should we go out on? Uh, can we go out on a John Mayer song? Yeah, of course, we're, <laughs> of course we're going to do that. I mean, since it's got heart in it and it's the Heart and Armor Foundation, let's do Half of My Heart, which features some background vocals from Taylor Swift. Okay, great. See you guys next time. Bye. Oh, half of my heart's got a grip on the situation. Half of my heart takes time.